Welcome to episode three of the Dollars and Doctor Show. I'm your host, Gurthej Varn, founder and financial planner at White Coat Financial. On today's episode, we're going to talk about budgeting and how to manage your money. I'm not a particular fan of creating these complex spreadsheets, tracking every single expense down to the T, and constantly worrying about finding the absolute best deals out there and coupons before making any purchases. No one wants to live like that. But on the flip side, it's important to have a good sense of exactly how much you earn and how much your basic needs and wants cost every single month. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Many personal finance experts, just like myself, always emphasize paying yourself first. Paying yourself first is essential, and it's the ideal way to manage your budget every single month. Meaning you calculate your after-tax net income, and then you set aside money for saving and investing first. Only then do you determine your budget for other expenses based on whatever is left over. This would be the perfect scenario when it comes to developing or building your budget. However, based on my experience of working with countless medical professionals, it's not always a viable way to manage your budget. Most people struggle to sustain this type of budget because family obligations or life changes often force your expenses to increase. Again, it would be ideal to invest first and then adjust your lifestyle expenses based on whatever's left over. But switching from being a student to becoming a doctor has an inevitable lifestyle adjustment. And to be frank, it's rare to see the pay-yourself-first style of budgeting work sustainably with younger doctors. This is why I often emphasize the baseline number method, which I'll explain in a few minutes. Most experts recommend using the 50-30-20 budget. This is a budget where 50% of your net income goes towards your needs, 30% of your net income goes towards investing, and 20% of your net income goes towards your wants and lifestyle expenses. Again, this is a somewhat ideal scenario, but it's not realistic for most Canadians. In markets like Vancouver and Toronto, it's possible that your housing alone would take up 50% of your budget. Then add in your student debts and transportation costs, and there goes your 50-30-20 budget. Of course, if you're earning a high income like most young doctors are, this budgeting style is possible, and we encourage clients to budget in this way. But if it's not possible, here's an alternative, which is what I call the baseline number method. Your baseline number consists of the bare minimum expenses that you need every single month to live comfortably. This wouldn't include any investment contributions you'd make or additional debt payments, gifts, or vacations. Just whatever you deem to be the bare minimum to get by comfortably. And everyone will have a different number for how much income they need to be comfortable. Here's an example. You're an associate dentist living in Ontario, earning around $200,000 pre-tax annually. Plus, you're single, you may rent a place in the GTA, and you own a modest vehicle with a loan on it. Plus, you pay for gas and car insurance. Then you have your monthly student loan and student line of credit payments, and you pay for groceries, a gym membership, and the basic subscriptions like Netflix, Amazon, and Spotify. Maybe you also dine out once or twice a week for about $200 per visit to a restaurant. Maybe you even own a dog and there's some minor food and insurance costs associated with that dog. You have your disability and critical illness insurance payments, plus some other minor expenses like massage appointments, haircuts, or maybe even skincare costs. Lastly, you pay for your professional expenses like your annual E&O or liability insurance, 
plus your licensing registration and any association dues associated with your profession. And there you have it. These basic expenses within reason would make up your baseline number. Now, there will inevitably be expenses that are not a requirement of living, meaning they will go beyond just your basic food and shelter costs. My advice is to aim for something between just scraping by and living your best life. Meaning, these are costs that are essential that you would consider as part of living a comfortable and modest life, but nothing too extravagant. The best way to start would be by creating a simple spreadsheet or doing this on paper. If you'd like a budget template, you can email me directly at grithage at whitecoatfinancial.ca and I'd be happy to provide you with one. But like I said, you can do this on a simple blank piece of paper. If you're using our template, it's relatively straightforward. You simply fill in the categories with your monthly expenses. A key thing to note in your budget is to avoid getting too picky on the dollars and cents. Instead, I recommend rounding up your expenses to the nearest $10 and rounding your income down to the nearest $500. Now, there are two major categories for your budget as a medical professional. These are the personal expenses and professional expenses. We'll start with your personal expenses. Under the category of personal expenses, you're going to have a few subcategories. Here are the examples. One, housing. Two, transportation. Three, food and groceries. Four, childcare or family support. Five, financial obligations. Six, self-care. And seven, lifestyle expenses. The housing costs will include your mortgage or your rent, property taxes, utilities, strata, home or tenant insurance, and your internet and cable. I'd also include your cell phone bill in this category since many cell phone plans are usually bundled with your internet and cable. Next, you have your transportation expenses. This would include your car loan, your lease, or your car payment, gas, plus any car insurance that you pay for. The next category is your food and groceries. I like to include your average monthly grocery expenditures, meal plan subscriptions, and even any alcohol or marijuana expenses if you smoke or drink on a regular basis. The next category is childcare or family support. This can include daycare, baby supplies, extracurricular activities, tutoring, and even child support payments. You can also include expenses that you pay for if you live in a joint family or any contributions or help that you give to your parents who might be financially relying on you. Next, we have financial obligations. And in this category, I typically like to include any personal insurance that you're paying for, like disability, life, critical illness, etc. I also include debt payments like student loans, leases, credit card payments, and more. I recommend inputting the minimum payments for all of these debts and financial obligations. Often, most people will include investment contributions to things like their RSP or their TFSA, but I don't like including those in this part of your budget because those are technically optional for living a comfortable life, meaning they shouldn't be included in your baseline number. I recommend prioritizing investment contributions with any extra income you earn beyond your baseline number, and I'll come back to that in a second. The next category is self-care expenses. This can include things like your gym membership, fitness classes, physio, massage therapy, acupuncture, skin care, or any other self-care costs that you deem essential. Lastly, we have your lifestyle expenses. Now, this is the category that has the most significant difference from person to person, but this is where you should include things like dining out, any parties or social events, shopping, vacation, gifts, etc. 
Now, of all the sections, this is the section where you want to be the most strict and determine what is needed to live modestly versus what's a luxury. Remember, we're just aiming for something between scraping by and living lavishly. So this is your comfortable lifestyle number. Now that you have your personal expenses logged, we can move on to your professional expenses. When it comes to professional expenses, there will be professional dues that are standard for pretty much every member of your profession. For example, all dentists will pay for their E&O coverage, their dues to the Canadian Dental Association, their provincial association, and any expenses associated with CE credits, etc. Total all those up and that will form your professional expenses. If you're a clinic owner, you'll have a second category under your professional expenses, but better yet, you'd have a completely separate budget for your clinic. The clinic budget should include your lease or your commercial mortgage, your utilities, inventory, wages, group benefits that you pay for, business insurance, marketing costs, and more. Your accountant should have all of this information in your corporate financial statements, which is essentially just a budget for your business. Once you've gotten a gauge on all of your personal expenses, add up the total across all the categories. This will give you your personal baseline number. Now, this is the amount of income that you need every single month after tax in order to live comfortably. If you're incorporated, which we'll discuss in the future, your baseline number will heavily dictate the income that you should be paying yourself from your respective corporation. If you're not incorporated, your professional expenses will all be a tax deduction. So you would apply these amounts to your gross income and then determine how much income is left to cover your personal baseline expenses. I like to think of your personal baseline number as the bare minimum to live comfortably and then any income beyond that should be used to move the needle. What I mean by that is that it can be used for either investment contributions or debt reduction purposes. For example, let's assume you earn $150,000 per year after tax, which is your net income, and your monthly baseline number is $6,000 per month. This means the remaining $6,500 per month can be allocated towards investing or paying down debt. Or it can be used to cover things like luxuries, vacation, gifts, or to supplement your baseline number. But I recommend the amount left over be put towards investing or paying off debt. I personally find this method of budgeting very effective because it makes you choose between improving your financial situation or spending money on luxuries. Remember, all your basic needs are being covered in your baseline number. So all the income that you earn beyond your baseline number has to be allocated either between improving your net worth or spending money on things that you consider a luxury. Based on my experience, this is a powerful psychological shift and it helps young doctors stick to their budget in a much more sustainable way. To summarize, the ideal situation for your budget is to calculate your net income and then use ideally a minimum of 30% of that amount to either save, invest, or make additional debt payments towards any debts that you have beyond the minimum payments, or in the best case scenario, to do all three. Then with the remaining 70% or so of your income, 50% of that could be put towards basic living expenses, and the other 20% could be put towards any lifestyle expenses that you have. However, if that's not possible or it's not sustainable for you, I recommend using the baseline number method and determining exactly how much you need to spend to live comfortably. Then use the remaining amount to either save, invest, 
or make additional payments towards your debt beyond the minimum or do all three. To wrap this episode up, I want to talk about mindset. I'm a firm believer in living a frugal lifestyle. So I'm all for living within your means and being frugal. However, I don't think individuals should try to focus on spending less. I personally believe that all of your energy and focus should be on earning more money, whether that's working more hours, gaining further education and knowledge so that you can argue for a better split, and increasing your value proposition to your patients so that you could charge more for your services. Increasing your income has multiple benefits, such as helping you keep your wages ahead of inflation and improving your lending capabilities for business loans or mortgage affordability. But more importantly, it puts you on the offensive instead of defensive. And on the flip side, there's a limit to how low you can get your expenses, but there's no limit in theory to how much you can earn. Plus, limiting your expenses in an environment where inflation is very high and it'll always remain in the 2-3% range feels a lot like running on a hamster wheel. So personally, I believe all your efforts should be spent mastering your craft and earning a higher income. And without getting too ahead of myself on today's episode, the basics of building wealth is earning an income that far exceeds your living expenses and then using that excess income to buy assets. Then you simply rinse and repeat. Do this for long enough and you can virtually guarantee that you will be wealthy. So all in all, budgeting aims to ensure that you're living within your means, but its primary purpose is to outline how much income you have left over to increase your net worth and to build your wealth either through investing or paying off debt. And that concludes our third episode of the Dollars and Doctor Show. My goal for this episode was to present you with an alternative to the pay yourself first and the 50-30-20 principle for how to budget and manage your money. This episode was brought to you by White Coat Financial. Our goal at White Coat Financial is to change the financial planning industry by combining a fiduciary duty with a one-stop shop experience for our clients. If you're a Canadian doctor and you're looking for financial advice on mortgages, investing, insurance, taxes, or any other financial matters, visit our website, www.whitecoatfinancial.ca. On our website, you'll be able to schedule a free initial consultation to learn about how White Coat Financial can help you protect your income, grow your money, and live better. If you have any questions or feedback for us, you can email me directly at gurthage at whitecoatfinancial.ca. Thank you for your attention, thank you for your time, and thank you for your ongoing support. I look forward to speaking with you soon. The information contained in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not to be taken as financial advice. While the host of this podcast is a registered financial planner, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as financial advice. Before making any financial decisions, you should always consult with a financial professional about your unique circumstances and personal situation. The hosts and guests of this podcast are not responsible for any errors or omissions or for any actions taken based on the information provided in this podcast. It is the responsibility of the listener to do their own due diligence and make informed financial decisions.